Let's pray and we'll get into the word today. Father, we thank you today for all that you're doing in our lives, in our church, in our families. God, we bless you today. We magnify your name. You are a great God. We bless you and we thank you. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins, for shedding your blood. We bless you. We thank you that every bondage, every addiction, every stronghold off of our life is broken from us in the name of Jesus because of what you did on the cross. You said it is finished. The work, God, your work, Lord Jesus, is done. So we thank you for it, God. And we choose as an act of our will to walk in that freedom, to be set free again from those bondages, addictions, bad habits in Jesus' name as an act of our will in accordance with your word. If you agreed with that, would you say amen? Amen. All right. I'm going to uh, tell you about a guy, and uh, this is kind of a, sounds like kind of a shady kind of a guy, but this guy has been in jail uh, on numerous occasions. He's been in jail numerous occasions. Uh, he's been on wanted posters, uh, top 10, you know, need, you know, need to catch this guy. Uh, he's been in more, I don't know, fights, but he's been beaten over and over and over again. He's been, uh, he's been on boats and, uh, and, and wrecked, and uh, it almost cost him his life. And during those times, he has been severely um, bitten by a poisonous snake and lived to tell about it. Uh, this, this guy, I mean, he's, uh, he just seemed like kind of a bad apple. Uh, and if you're kind of a person that believes in karma... Uh, this guy sounds like he's done some shady things and he's got some things that he deserved. Wouldn't you agree with that? If you, if you all my karma people, good, that was a, that was a test. Don't, don't go that way now. Don't go that karma stuff. All right. But this guy, he, he sounded like he deserved some things, all these things that happened to him. But, uh, it, 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 that, that's not the case because this individual was an individual that wrote two thirds of the new Testament. And this is the great apostle Paul. All of these things happened to him. Second Corinthians chapter 11, second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 out the message Bible says this and again. Now this is Paul's testimony. He said, I've been jailed more often, beaten more times than I can count at death's door time after time. I've been flogged uh, five times with the Jews, 39 lashes beaten by Roman rods, uh, three times pummeled by rocks once. I was shipwrecked three times. I was immersed in the open sea for a night and a day in hard traveling year in and year out. I've had to ford rivers, fend off robbers, struggle with friends, struggle with foes. Uh, I've been at risk in the city, at risk in the countries, endangered in the desert sun, in the sea storms, and betrayed by those that I thought were my brothers. I've known drudgery and hard labor, many long and lonely nights without sleep, many a missed meal, uh, many a missed uh, meal, blasted by the cold, naked, uh, to, the, to the weather, and verse 28 says, and that's not the half of it. In other words, he could go on and on and on about some things that he's gone through. Plus, you throw in the daily pressures and the anxiety of all the, ch of all the churches. And you think about Paul, you know, he, we think about him that he lived and you know, he died. And he was a kind of an old man when he died. Uh, but that was not true. Paul relatively lived, was really young. He didn't make it to the age that I am. Paul, at the age of 30 years of age, after he had his Damascus Road experience, one of the first things that when they came after him was to put him in a basket and let him down over a wall between that time when he was in his early 30s till 59 when he was, uh, when he was beheaded and died at 59 years of age. He was relatively, again, a young man. So all of these things, and, and, and this is only the half that could be told, all happened within a 20-year uh, span right there. 
Again, think about that. Five times given 39 lashes. That's 195. 195 lashes. Uh, just about every town that he went in, they, they were after him and they got him and they beat him and they tried to put him in jail. They tried to get the magistrates to, to, to kill him. They wanted to get rid of this guy, Paul. He was stoned. And stoning was not a punishment. Stoning was a death sentence. It wasn't meant to punish you. It was meant to kill you. It's kind of like when somebody is, has to go to the electric chair. It's just not to give them a jolt. Just to, you know, you won't do that again. It's a jolt. It's to kill them. And if that sometimes it, it, they might have a, a problem with it and the person, something happened and they didn't actually die in the electric chair because it malfunctioned. If, they, if you live like Paul did through a stoning, and I don't believe that he lived. I believe that Paul was stoned and I believe that he died. And the disciples, the, his, the believers gathered around him and I believe that he was, he was raised from the dead. But whether he did or not, he was supposed to die. That's again, that's what stoning was all about. Paul says in Galatians 6, 7, it says this, I bear in my body scars uh, for my service with Jesus. He had scars, I bet you, his whole life. He had bruises that as soon as that bruise would get better and and, and where you couldn't see it again, there was probably 10 more that on top of that one that there was, again, he was, this was, this was Paul's life again in Christ. Now, here's the reason that I bring this up. The same man that went through all of that. All of that litany of stuff that that he said. He says this in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. uh, Probably a very familiar passage of Scripture to many of you. We know this, that God causes all things. Everybody say all things. things. Causes all things to work together for good. Now, I want to give you a disclaimer this morning about that all things. We use that word all. It's a small word, but we use it a lot. And what we kind of put it with like always, like you always leave your clothes laying around. You always do this. You all, I always have to decide what we're going to eat. I always, then we don't, that's not the truth, but we, we use that like that. But all things, and let me give you three disclaimers about this, this all things that Paul is talking about here. Number one is this, all, all is all afflictions, all trials, tests, persecution, sufferings. All of those things. The second one is this. The second disclaimer is the promise is limited to those who satisfy the second part of that verse, which we haven't read yet. Let's read it. Let me go back to the first just to remind you, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Here's the second part. You've got to satisfy this for this to apply to you. To those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. In other words, those who love God and are submitted to him through their faith in Jesus Christ. The Bible is filled with promise after promise after promise after promise, not for the world. There's some things that, that are for the world. The promise for the world is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him would not perish, but have the gift of eternal life. But this book, Romans, was written to the church at Rome. It wasn't written to the world. So sometimes I think erroneously we, we tell people, you know, that, that are not saved, maybe we just want to sue them and say, well, God works all things for, you know, for his good. God works all things out for our good. We, we tell people that, and it's just not true. Hello? Well, Pastor, I've told people some of that. Well, it's still not true. Hmm. Number three is this. I said I was going to give you three, so here's the third one. All things doesn't include our sins and our negligence. 
Does it include our sins and our neg- negligence? In other words, no one can excuse sin by maintaining that, well, you know, God gets the glory out of it. God's going to work this sin. He's going to work it out for his glory. Now, that's not to say that when we, we do something, when we make a mistake or we, 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 we cross a line and stuff, then we repent and we, 1 John 1, 9, we're, we're, he's faithful and just to forgive us if we confess our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that he can't perhaps at times take that mistake. But again, this verse is talking about all things Paul's talking to the church. And again, read it in context. Read Romans in context with what Paul said even earlier in chapter, chapter 8 where this verse came from is Paul's talking about some of the difficulties that he went through. All affliction, all tests, all trials, all persecution, all suffering, God will work it out for our good, for our growth, and for our glorification. <gasps> glorification for us? Yes. You know, we're, our salvation is a threefold thing. It's, we're justified. That happened the moment when we got saved, when we received what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. We are justified. You know what justified means? It means justified, never done it. He wiped us. He wiped that away from us. He took our sins from us. And the second thing that's an ongoing process is the sanctification process. Sanctification means he set us apart. We're, uh, right now, we're still in that transforming. We're not being conformed to the world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. Why? Because we're set apart for God's work. And then one day when we get to heaven, we'll be glorified. We'll get glorified bodies then. And I could say some things about that, but I'll just let it go. Paul has probably thought many times, I've already got my glorified body, but uh, I won't say that. I just thought it, okay? Amen, sister? <laughs> sure. She said, sure. She didn't even say amen. She said, sure. Mm. Lord bless her. Listen, Romans eight twenty eight. It may be a little bit easier for us to to grasp the all things if it said some things work together for the good, or if it said good things work together for the good, or if it said that things that make sense work together. But that's not what Paul said. He said all things. And again, let me go back and say, say that again. All afflictions, all trials, all tests, all persecution, all suffering, all those things work together for our good. Remember, the man who wrote this went through some immense suffering, didn't he? Terrible. Have you ever noticed noticed this whenever uh, someone is trying to convince you or you're trying to convince someone in an area that their experience or your experience goes a long way? It carries carries a lot of weight. For example, you know, uh, one thing that Dan Mouse is really good about when he's helping me purchase something online, whether it's for for the church here or whether it's for me personally, one thing that I've noticed that he does, he always goes, when we're going to look up some, he always goes to the reviews. He wants to see what people are saying about it. I always forget that step and I always regret that I didn't go to that step. Now, again, we understand we're not, we're not dummies, that not all the reviews are from people. They're sometimes from, comp- from the companies and they're kind of these things that are made up. But you can get a pretty good idea. You can kind of pick some of those things out and see, is there any negative things? How many saying the same thing? So again, it's good that the, the reviews say a lot. Another thing is uh, Nelson Mandela talking about forgiveness carries a lot more weight than somebody that's had a life relative of ease, that nobody's really ever come against them hard or anything like that. They've just kind of been protected. But when you're talking about forgiveness, Nelson's word carries a lot of weight because he's had to experience some things in life. Clearly, again, when we go through uh, things, 
uh, especially in regards to suffering and trials, and we come out of those successfully. You know, you can go through trials and you can go through tests and things and not come out of those well, not handle those well. And the good thing is you get to take the test again. But it gives us a certain authenticity. It gives us a certain depth when we've gone through some things and come, come out of it uh, successful. Uh, so again, this, this man, Paul, who has suffered a lot in his life, again, he says that God causes all things to work together for, the, for, for, for our good. And it's interesting that if you remember, Paul had that Damascus Road experience. And on that, after that, God, uh, an angel appeared to a man named Ananias and said, I want you to go to Paul, go to Straight Street. And there's a man named Paul there. He's waiting. He's been blinded. And Steph, I want you to pray for him. And Ananias had heard about this guy. He said, he said I've, I've heard about him. And, and it's interesting. Here's what the Lord said. This was a, a, kind of a prophetic word. He said, for I'll show him, talking about Paul, I'll show him how much he must suffer for, uh, for the sake of my name. And that was kind of a prophetic word that literally uh, you could see come true in all of those things there. It said in 2 Corinthians, that litany of things that Paul has gone through. But that again, that would certainly include, that would certainly include the things that he went through that he suffered, would certainly include the shipwrecks, the imprisonments, the beatings, the rejections, the betrayals, all things, all things in God's hands work together for the process to help Paul be the success again that he was. I think it would be safe to say there's probably some, maybe some people here today that are not fully convinced that some of the, some of the things that difficulties they've gone through, they're not convinced fully that God can turn that thing around in their life and cause it to be good. Catch this. When Paul said all, he meant all. Good things, bad things, neutral things. Because if one thing, if one thing isn't, isn't included, then it disqualifies his statement. You know, if I said, hey, let's all stand. I'm not saying that. But if I said, let's all stand. I'd like for everyone in here to stand. And let's say that uh, two-thirds of the people stood and a third of the people didn't. Could we say that all people stood? No, we couldn't. What if, what if we said, let's all stand, and one individual, not being rebellious, but they just, didn't, they just didn't stand. Could we say all stood? Pastor asked all to stand this morning, and, 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 and everybody stood. We couldn't, because that one person would have disqualified the saying that all. So if we can find one thing in an affliction, and a trial, and a persecution, and those things that didn't, didn't qualify, then Paul couldn't say all. All means all. All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Um, Did you know that that God can use things in your life for your good that you didn't even know about? Let me say that again. God can use things in your life that happened in your life that you didn't even know about for your good. In fact, I think sometimes often God is more often things, uh, doing things in our life in the background that we're not even aware of. So often, again, we're notorious for trying to figure God out, trying to figure out, is God doing anything and questioning, is he doing those things? So really, the real test in our walk, in our relationship with God is our ability, and not just our ability, but our commitment to trust God when we can't see him working. Let me say that again. It's a, it's a real test of our walk and our relationship with him 
when we're going through something, again, that to test our, our ability is tested, our commitment is tested to trust God when we can't see Him working. I've shared this story before, but it'll bear repeating again. It kind of reminds me sometimes like that when we, when we say that we're trusting God, we're giving something over to Him. It reminds me of those three turtles that went on a picnic. You remember that story? Three, these three turtles, they decided one day they were going on a picnic. They'd made all these delicious sandwiches and had these big, big bottles of, uh, of uh, turtle aid. And they were so excited. And so they took off. And man, they bolted. And it took them about 45 minutes to turn the corner to go around the hedges in the backyard. And they're going. They finally got around the corner. Boy, they're really on their way now. And all of a sudden, one of the turtles says, oh, my goodness. He said, I forgot the turtle aid. They said, you forgot the turtle aid? He says, we have to have turtle aid. We can't have sandwiches without turtle aid. You've got to go back and get it. He said, oh, no. He said, I'm not going back to get the turtle aid. He said, because as soon as I do, you guys will eat all the sandwiches. And they said, no, no, we won't. We'll wait on you. No matter how long it takes you. He says, no matter how long it takes. He says, no matter how long it takes. We promise you, we won't eat them. He says, okay. So he ran. <laughs> All the way back, 45 minutes back to the house. 45 minutes. He, they're figuring, they're figuring. He should be back. It's been, it's been an hour. Golly, it's been an hour and a half. Where is he? And then two hours goes by. Three hours goes by. And they said, where is he? Where could he be? And the guy said, one of the turtles said, I don't know, man, but I'm getting hungry. And if he don't hurt, if he doesn't show up soon, I'm going I'm to eat me one of these sandwiches. And as soon as he said that, that third turtle went back for the turtle. He stuck his head out from the bushes and said, if you do, I won't go. <laughs> and that's how sometimes, that's how we are with God. We say that we give it over to him. We cast the care over on him, but we're looking through the hedges to see, is he going to be good with that or not? There's times when we aren't sure Sometimes we're not sure even noticing what's going on because it seems like that our prayers are like super balls bouncing off the wall that they don't get, not getting past the ceiling. Well, the good news is they don't have to. Christ lives in our heart. <laughs> but sometimes, again, we feel like that. It's like sometimes we feel like Paul going from shipwreck to snake bites, just one thing after another things. <clears throat> there's, some, there's probably some of you maybe that are listening today. Maybe you feel like that your life has gone from not so good to to. To, hold on, somebody wants me to share the password with them. You'll have to get it yourself. Okay. I just couldn't share it with them. I didn't, couldn't stop. <laughs> it was you, wasn't it, honey? Okay. So anyway, so sometimes, let me get back, let me get back on my notes. Sometimes we go from that and we, we're not too sure that those all things are going to work together for us. And then all of a sudden we go, you know, we're going through some things and then we go to church and the pastor's in a six-week series on walking in faith. Or you come in here today and he's talking about all things work together for the good and you're just not convinced of it. But you want to believe it because deep down on the inside of you, you want it to be true. And God does work all things for our good. We must make allowances. We must make allowances that there's things that God's doing that we just don't know about. There's sometimes God is doing things again that we just don't know about. Don't forget the Bible says that right now, right now we don't see everything clearly. First Corinthians 13, 12 says this in the message Bible. It says, so don't, don't you, <clears throat> so we don't see yet things clearly. We're squinting in a fog, peering through a mist 
And it won't be long before the weather clears and the sun shines bright. We'll see it all then. We'll see it as clearly as God sees us, knowing Him directly just as He knows us. So again, we, see, we can see clearly sometimes when God is using a, a friend of ours that helps us, that comes along to, to make something uh, in our lives better. But did you know that God can use your enemies? God can use your enemies for your good. God can use your enemies for His good. You know, sometimes... Uh, somebody that knows you, we call them friends, but maybe not, they're really not friends. But people will do things to spite you. They'll do things on purpose. Uh, but God can take that. He can take that thing and, and it'd be a benefit for you. Another example of this, a perfect example of this would be uh, in the book of Daniel. Uh, Daniel had some acquaintances, some co-workers. You remember the Bible says that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were found 10 times better, 10 times smarter than all the others that they were uh, in, in, the, in the office with. And uh, there were some people that were jealous of that. They saw the favor that they had, and they wanted to get them. And, and Daniel, you know, he knew, they knew Daniel prayed three times a day. And so they kind of connived this, this plan to, to make a law uh, and, and try to sell it to the king. And just say this, that nobody, anybody that prays to anybody other than you, then uh, they'll, we'll throw them, they'll get thrown in the lion's den. And the king said, yeah, that sounds good because he kind of fits his ego. So he signs it, puts his ring on it, and he goes out. And the first thing you know, of course, Daniel, hey, here he is. He's praying. They knew that he would. He gets thrown in the lion's den, meant for, meant for harm, meant for, to, to kill him. But all of a sudden, the king comes and sees Daniel. He didn't want to because he liked Daniel. Remember, they're 10 times smarter. They're 10 times better. They're good workers. He didn't want to have to do this, but he already signed it. He'd given his word on it. And he looks down there, and Daniel's fine. Daniel, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine down here. Me and the cats, we're just getting along great. And so he had him come up. And what did he say? The king said, Daniel's, Daniel's, Daniel's God is the God. He's the God. And I think the guys that tried to get him, they threw them in, in the lion's den. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, very similar. The, these guys, they, they knew that they would not worship Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would not worship a false god. And so they, had, they got the king, hey, let's, let's erect this 90-foot golden statue of you, and we'll play music throughout the day, and whenever, whenever music, and yeah, we'll play, anytime the music is played, uh, we've got to stop what we're doing, we've got to get out, and we've got to worship that golden uh, image of you. And he says, that sounded like a good deal to me. Signs it, puts his ring on it. Again, didn't want to, but Daniel, Shad, I mean, not Shad, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to stop. They refused to do what they were doing to get down and worship that image because the first commandment is thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only, right? You Bible scholars know that. And so, thank you. I appreciate that. God, I like that. So, they would not bow down. The king says, hey, hey, we'll give you another chance. You guys are good workers here. We're just going to play. Somebody play something on your flute over there. Play some music. You guys bow down and we'll, we'll be good. They said, we're not going to bow down. He said, well, I'm going to throw you in the fire first. They said, we don't care. You could throw us in the fiery furnace, and our God is able to deliver us. But I love this part. And even if he doesn't, even if we fry like a French fry, we're still not going to bow down and worship you. I love that boldness. And that made him mad. He heated it up 10 times, the furnace 10 times hotter, opens up the gates. The, the, the guards that opened up the gates, some of those died because the heat was so intense. Finally, they got them in there, threw them in there. And the king kind of comes in later and peers in the window. And he says, I thought there was three in there. They said, yeah, we threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego there, and he said, but I see four, and the fourth one looks like the Son of God. <laughs> I love that. So he had them come out. He said, Daniel, he said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you guys come out. And what Shadrach, what they say? You come in. 
<laughs> that would have been bold. I would love that they did that. But it says that they came out. There was no, their clothes wouldn't burn. There was no smell of smoke on them. And it was, that's, and again, what was had? They made a decree. Made a decree. That is the God that we're going to serve. That's the God. Isn't that awesome? That's the, the, those are days that the devil goes, whoops. His plan was, whoops. So oh, I messed that one up. Whenever we go through things, make it a big whoops. A whoops day for the devil. Mm. You know this, don't you? That your adversary, your adversary today, your adversary will cause movement in your life that might not happen without them. Let me say that again. Your adversary, I'm not talking about just the devil, but people that don't like you, they'll cause movement in your life that probably might not happen if you didn't, uh, if you, if, if it wasn't for them. Another good example of this in the Bible, Jesus told the disciples to go wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father. Remember the, uh, the Holy Spirit poured out on the day of Pentecost. And then after that, he said, go, go, into, the, go, in, go into Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the other ends of the earth. And after all of that, you know where they did? They stayed in Jerusalem, all huddled together. But all of a sudden, a massive persecution broke out of the church. What did they do? Man, they spread like, like roaches and a, coming in, to somebody flicking a light on and man, they, were, they took off and they did what they were called to do. I love this. I love this verse. And if you go here, if you've been here very long, I quote this verse a lot. I love it. I love it. I love it. It's out of the Message Bible. Consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. Because you know that under pressure, your faith life is forced into open and show its true colors. Isn't that so true? We can talk a good game a lot of times, but all of a sudden during pressure and during affliction, I think that's when we get to see all those words that we've got stored up in our heart. Are they going to do anything? Are we going to walk in those things? And then it goes on to say in, the, in, the, in verse, uh, verse 4, it says, so don't try to get out of anything. What's anything? Don't try to get out of anything that he just mentioned, the tests, the challenges that are coming to you from all sides. Don't try to get out of them prematurely. Let them, those works, have, uh, have their work in you so that you become, you become mature, well-developed, not deficient in any way. There's times when we go into a situation as a novice, but we come out as a warrior. That's when we allow the, the, the Word of God, we allow those things on the inside that are happening to us, we allow God to cause those things to work for our benefit. Amen? You know, it's the same Father. It's the same Father who says, who, who brings that decree to us through the Holy Spirit is the, is the same Father that creates a feast for us in the presence of our enemies. Three things that, uh, that form this belief in Paul. Three things form this belief in Paul that uh, whatever God said he would do. And this is the first one is this. Number one is this. God, uh, Paul knew this, that God was omnipotent. Omnipotent means all-powerful. Paul wrote this in Romans chapter 8, verse 38. He says, I am absolutely convinced that nothing, nothing living or dead, angelic or demonic, today or tomorrow, high or low, thinkable or unthinkable, absolutely nothing can get between us and God's love because of the way that Jesus, our master, has embraced us. Nothing, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Paul could say these things, because again, he had a revelation on the sovereignty of God. Sovereignty just means supreme, independent, all-powerful, authority, and dominion. The second thing that, that, uh, 
that Paul knew was God's omniscient, that God is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing. God has complete, infinite knowledge, complete, infinite knowledge. You know, when God writes the book of your life, he doesn't necessarily start on page one. He starts on page 1,000. <laughs> what do you mean? What, what are you talking about? Listen to this. Psalms 139, verse 16. Again, the Message Bible says this. Like an open book, you watch me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life were spread out before you. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. Listen to that. The days of my life all prepared before I'd even lived one day. God has already seen your life from beginning to end. God is omniscient. He is omniscient. He is omniscient. You know, omniscient doesn't have to wait to see something to know what's going to happen. He knows the past, the present, and the future. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing ever occurs to God? Nothing ever occurs to God. He never, he never calls the angels and says, hey, bring me up to speed. What's going on down there on the earth? He never calls an angel, hey, fill me on on what's happening on so-and-so's marriage. How are they doing? God knows everything. I know it's hard for our little peanut brain to convince to be con- that, but he knows our present, he knows our end, as well as he knows the beginning. He knows it all. It almost seems, seems like sometimes God enters into our life in the future and not the past, not the beginning. Perhaps that's why sometimes it seems like God is uncaring in certain situations in our life because he knows what you're crying about today you'll be laughing about in a month. God knows our life. He knows what's coming. He knows his healing power. Because God has been in our future, he's not panicked about your present. Let me say that again. Because God knows your future, he's not panicked about your present. We're panicking because we don't always know what tomorrow holds. Did you ever notice that God isn't even mentioned once in the book of Esther? You think about it. God is not even mentioned one time in the book of Esther, but he's all through that book. He's all through that book. You know, the king couldn't sleep one night, so he decides to have the, the archives of his reign as king brought to him so he could see. He happens to turn to a page, and he saw that there was a plot to assassinate him. And that there was a guy named Mordecai who brought, in, in, uh, brought attention to it where he wasn't killed. And he wondered, now, hey, well, was anything, was anything ever done for this guy, Mordecai? All these things are in there. See, God's standing behind the scenes orchestrating these things like an, like an orchestrator. King, awake, you're not going to sleep tonight. Get yourself a book. And God is all-knowing. God is always working in our lives. He's always working in our lives, even when we're just not sure, God, are you doing anything? He is. You know, God kind of sometimes reminds me of a, of a GPS. You know, a GPS, if you're looking for somebody to chat with you and to, on a, when you're on a trip, you know, sometimes I'm saying, I'm like, I wish you would tell me something because I've been riding on this road for 12 miles and she had, the GPS hasn't come on, hasn't said anything. Sometimes, you know, you had to <laughs> bump it or do something and it comes out and says, in, five, in 10 more miles, you know, turn. So God's not a chatterbox where he's just going to just make conversation like that. And uh, when, we, when we make the wrong turn, he doesn't get mad. He doesn't get upset. He just recalculates. <laughs> God just recalculates us. The third thing that Paul did, this is huge, this is huge, is bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people, and that doesn't make them bad. You know, there's a story in Luke's gospel, uh, Luke chapter 13, uh, I believe it starts there in verse 1, there was two instances. One was uh, some of the blood of the Galilean believers was, um, they were slain in the 
Pilate took their blood and mixed it with their sacrifices. And uh, some of the followers of Jesus says, well, is that because those Galilean believers, did they deserve that? Were they? And he, Jesus said, no. And if you keep thinking like that, something's going to happen to you. And then there was the, a wall fell in Siloam. A uh, wall killed 18 people. Some of those were believers. And they asked the question, did those believers that were killed when that wall fell, was that kind of punishment because they were sinning? And Jesus clearly said, no. So in other words, bad things do happen to good people. Is that right? It does. You know, what about, you know, 9-11, those 3,000 people that were killed when the when the trade centers fell, there was, there was believers that were in there. There were believers on those airplanes that crashed. Good people. And just bad things, bad things happen. Just understanding that, that bad things can possibly happen to us and probably will happen to us from time to time will prevent us from having a faith crisis. If you know that. You know, in some Christian circles, in some Christian circles, they, they, they act like that there's some kind of an immunity shot that, that we can take and bad things will never happen to us. But afflictions, persecution, all of those things are all bad things can happen to us. How many of you have ever heard of a man named David Wilkerson? Remember him? A great man of God. Uh, died when he was 79 years of age. Didn't die of some disease or uh, something. He died in a, in a horrific car crash. A good man. Good man. Good things happen. Bad things happen to, to good people. Maybe there's some of you here today that you're dealing with a, with a serious illness, or maybe you're experiencing some terrible financial woes, or maybe you've recently gone through uh, a miscarriage. Something else, again, uh, in your world that, uh, that's afflicting you, that's difficult. Please don't allow that to cause you to question God's love for you. When bad things happen, don't let it cause you to question God's love for you. Because bad things will happen and can happen to, to good people. Perhaps the best question to, to ask ourselves when bad things happen sometimes is not why, but God, what's next? Not what's next going to happen, but God, what's next? Where are we going to go? We're going to get past this. Perhaps there's some of you here today, if you're honest with yourself, you'd have to admit that you've been confused because some circumstances in your life either in the past or in the present, and it's kind of bothered you. I want to encourage you today, from this day forward, remember that there's nothing in your life that's wasted. Nothing in your life that's wasted. God can take all things, all of those things He can take for our betterment and make us better. Maybe you need to go to the Father in prayer. Father, there's been some things that's been done to me. And you're asking, you're asking him now to work on those things, work them out as only he can do. God, work these things out. They bothered you for a while. Turn those things over. Turn those things over to him. Maybe you're here today and you need to get right with God. You need to get right with God. And God has orchestrated this moment for you. There's no one that comes to the Father. You guys can come on up. There's no one that comes to the Father unless they're drawn by him. He draws us. He draws us. He orchestrates moments. He brings people across our path. You know, last Sunday, over 10 people gave their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, came back to the back and got a Bible and got the book that we give away. That moment was orchestrated for them. If you're here today, and, and let me ask you where, you, where will you spend eternity? If today were your last day on earth, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. 
The, up, the other side of that, to be absent from the body, is to be in hell if we don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. If you've never made him Savior of our life, this moment has been orchestrated for you for many, many, many years. And today you're here, you're hearing this. Maybe you're here today and, you've, and you're, you're, you're born again. And if you were to die today, you would, you'd, you'd go to heaven. That's a great assurance to have. But maybe you need to, maybe like the prodigal son, you need to come back because you're not allowing God to use your life to the fullest that he wants to do. Because going to church is not living the life to the fullest. We're his followers. There's so much work that God has for us to do. God created you and I, Ephesians 2.10, to do great things before the foundation of the world, before you were ever thought of by your parents. God knew you were here. He gave you works to do. Are you doing them? I just encourage you today, again, in this moment, in this time, God, how is my service to you? Do I love you? Am I serving you? Are there things in my life that I need to do? In Jesus' name, let's all stand. Father, we bless you today. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy, and your love. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. God, I do thank you that all things work together for good that love, that love you and are called according to your purpose. We bless you today, and we thank you for that. Thank you, Father. God, opening our hearts, opening our eyes, give us an understanding of these truths today. We magnify you in this place. Oh, we love you today. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name.